Live from the mid-90s, this is Austin Danger <laughs> Podcast, the only randomly curated Austin Powers podcast on the internet. As always, I am Kev, and I'm joined by super producer extraordinaire Mackenzie Wilkes. Are you excited to spice up your life, Kev? Am I excited? Well, here's the story from A to Z. We're doing Spice <laughs> World tonight on ADP. That so is won't so you good. join Mackenzie and me <gasps> at the bottom of the hour for Spice World? Okay. Mackenzie Wilkes, my co-host on Letterboxd, her Letterboxd review is five stars already. Spoiler <laughs> alert. There's no use in hiding it. The greatest movie ever rooted so deeply in my heart and soul. I'm not sure I can find the words. Well, you have about half an hour. So I do. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely have seen the movie. So get excited so for that i'm so scared. no i don't know i i we'll get into we'll it do later, the pot. but not we'll to give pot. it away but imagine being so hateful that you would shit on what is basically just a goofy update of hard day's night i don't understand i don't understand how hateful you'd have to be um i'm not that guy i need you to know can i tell you something that i was going to bring up in the main discussion but it's perfect to say here I was looking at the Spice World Wikipedia page as one is wont to do. Oh no, the Spice Girls Wikipedia page because we'll get into it. I was trying to figure out the the you know, it's very famously Jerry left very shortly after this film and the dissolution of the Spice Girls happened in the late nineties. Uh, I found a quote that was reported on BBC News. Apparently, at the height of their career, the height of their power in nineteen ninety seven, the Spice Girls went to South Africa to visit Nelson Mandela, and upon wow. I'm not kidding you. This is reported on BBC World News. Upon meeting them, Nelson Mandela, who was 79 at the time, said, quote, they are my heroes. <laughs> All this and more at the bottom of the hour. All that more at the bottom of the hour. But first, Mackenzie, I, I, I just need to I need to get this out. I need to get this out. Uh, uh, do it get it out john wick chapter four is one of the greatest movies i've ever seen in my whole entire life whoa uh, you were not so the good. only one saying this i'm seeing this i'm hearing these words be said now to get into it would be to spoil the movie and there's a lot of surprises it's a big roller coaster and a lot goes on it's almost three hours long it feels about 25 minutes long it is uh wow. just nuts absolutely nuts it's uh, it's like a busy work day where you can barely remember what happened at the beginning of the day, you know. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but two things: number one, the world of John Wick is a world of bureaucracy, mm. and I love that. <laughs> like it is a genuine surprise to me that John Wick did not have to submit a W nine form every time he wanted to go to kick somebody's ass. The stuff that people usually don't like is the stuff that I love and really gets me into it. The stuff mm -hmm. like uh, everybody carries around magic coins and you go to the hotel and Lance Reddick, Ripper Rooney, by the way, what a mm. legend, Lance Reddick. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, the king, Lance Reddick. But like, you know, he greets you and, you know, you can't kill anybody in the hotel because you can't do, you know, it's a neutral zone yes. and all this yes, yes, nonsense. Yes. Um. The bureaucracy is amazing, and there's more than enough of it in John Wick 4. There's a 45-minute sequence that only happens because of the bureaucracy. And in that sequence is the second thing I wanted to talk about. Um, there's been a lot of discussion over the last few years about fat suits. Mm. 
and the use of fat suits and the employment of fat suits and when it is tasteful and when it is not tasteful. And uh, I have always been on this show pretty consistent over the last few months in saying things like the whale, for example, is exploitative and stupid and makes the main character childish. Scott Adkins, B-movie legend, plays a character in John Wick 4 called Killa. And it is like three pillows in this guy's suit. It is a very obvious fat suit. The representation that Killa brings to the screen, we have not seen since 1999. Wow. When Mike Myers introduced a character who, yes, struggled with food, as a lot of plus-size people, including myself, do. Mm-hmm. But he was also just a big old king. He didn't give a shit about you. This Scott Atkins character called Killa has such amazing fat bastard energy. And <laughs> on top of that, there's even a reference to the spy who shagged me that I will not get into. It is not <gasps> a fat bastard reference. But what? there is a unintentional reference to the spy who shagged me in the killer sequence if you've seen it you may know what it is elvis Um, costello shows up (laughs) no uh, no you would know i would sing it i would be running down i'd get hit by a bus on fifth avenue screaming in the street (laughs) if elvis costello showed up in john wick four now that's spice world where elvis costello shows up (laughs) stay tuned uh yeah so i love john wick four that's kind of the big thing Mackenzie, what you got yeah, I've literally watched nothing basically all week. Uh, you know, during the day, during my work day, and I'm I watch guys grocery games, and that's my life. Uh, the thing is, we talk about it a lot. TV is in such an amazing place right now, and there's a lot of great TV. And so, uh, lately at night, I haven't really been watching movies, but we have a bunch of shows we're watching. Um, big one, my big my big boy. Yellow Jackets is back and it's one of the greatest shows on television if not ever it is so fucking good it is so fucking tight it is so well written it is so well acted and I am so excited for season two I am on Reddit I'm being a little creepo on Reddit looking at the theories Whoa, I'm, I'm on Yellow Reddit. Jackets Yellow Jackets is powerful enough to get me to go to Reddit that's how powerful that show is uh, I'm in there looking at the theories I'm clicking around I'm seeing what everybody thinks is going to happen we did a rewatch of season one because as soon as we finished season two, episode one, we went, oh, God, there's so much we forgot. And we went back and re- doing a rewatch was even more exciting because you can see how great the writing is. You can see all of the amazing things they set up that they knocked down beautifully in the finale, which made me more hype for season two because I'm like, now everything feels like a clue. Uh, I love it. It's like I I, I don't think it's Lynchian in this you know, typical sense, but it has that aspect of like, everything feels interesting and meticulous. And you, you, you feel like you're solving a puzzle while you're watching in a way that I think is just so fun. And the performances are so dynamic and God, I'm just so pumped. Yell If you are not watching yellow jackets, I cannot recommend it enough. Also, if all you can think about is David Lynch, not that that's a bad thing. Sure, it's Lynchian. <laughs> if it'll get you to watch it, oh, it's Lynchian. All right. I mean, the the, the show actually People say said, Lynchian. You know, I I agree. I think I said it on um, 
Criterion Connection, I was like, people misuse Lynchian a lot, I think. And I'm saying Lynchian in the sense of like the mystery mystery and the meticulousness of him as a creator, less like the themes, I I guess. But they have, the showrunners have said in some interviews that Twin Peaks is like a major inspiration for season two, which makes sense for me in terms of the like mysticism of the woods is very, very uh, important in Yellow Jackets and in Twin Peaks. Uh, you know, Twin Peaks teeters a bit more into like Native American mysticism, which can get a little dicey. But uh, it seems like that's not what Yellow Jackets is doing. But it does seem like they are intentionally building. They want to build a similar type of story of Yellow of Twin Peaks, which makes me wonder if because the the beauty of Twin Peaks was it was at its best when we didn't know the answer. You know what I mean? And I hope that that's maybe what Yellow Jackets means when they say they're trying to be like Twin Peaks. I think they understand that the mystery is what makes the show so uh delectable to watch so yeah i just think that's a really well done show and that's my big that's my big one but like i am in a tv mode i cannot get into movies like i keep making my little short lists or watch listing things i know i want to watch and it's like I, I just can't make myself watch them and i don't i don't know why i think i might have just hit a movie wall yeah i get what you mean and i mean i'm like scrambling also... to get my i scrambled to watch spice world today like i'm cr- i'm crazy right now well, you and i are also very at very busy points at work and under yes a lot of stress absolutely in our personal lives and yes <laughs> you know that could mean you only have about 45 minutes yeah or like you know things like this where uh, my girlfriend had a very stressful couple of weeks and even so, she came back. She was at her mom's for a couple of days. She came back. We had yellow jackets on like immediately. Yeah, baby. Well, that, that's that's also different because that's like appointment TV. But still, like, I don't know. I uh, yeah. I mean, I'm with you there. I mean, I'm going to the movies. John Wick. There was no problem with John Wick. But like, I missed Creed. Creed's come and gone. I'm probably gonna opt out of this Dungeons and Dragons thing. I have a ticket mm. for Sunday. But it's like, man, like the, I could just sit in a quiet room for two hours and not, well, not think about anything. Or you know, the F one race will be done by the time I wake up. Take a in nap. Australia tonight. I mean, yeah, I know I'm going to Dungeons and Dragons this weekend. So next week, if you don't go, I can definitely report back on D and D. Though I am like the prime audience for that film, so uh, everyone be warned. I'm assuming I will enjoy it a lot, but. Um, yeah, that's our date night, I believe, on Saturday is we're going to go see Word. the D&D movie. If I don't see... Uh, listen, I'm going to go... I'm going to go to see a Beholder. If I see a Beholder, I'm thrilled. The rest of the movie could be total crap. <laughs> Mark my words. Because you'll have seen it too, listener, by the time this comes out. The rest of the movie could be total crap. But if I see a Beholder, it would have been worth go. it all. Speaking of total crap... <laughs> What does it all mean, Basil? And you know what the craziest thing about that transition is? Tell um, me. There's a ton of Austin news that is all real and pretty valid. What? <laughs> a ton? Right. Ton let's is the just, word you're Let's using. just go right through it. Let's just go right okay. through it. Okay. Uh, Austin Powers director and close friend Jay Roach has signed with UTA in all areas after a long run at William Morris Agency. Roach's last film, of course, was Bombshell. He directed Meet the Parents, which is a classic, despite the rest of that franchise. Um, He's currently working on, he had directed all eight episodes of a series called High Desert on the house that Finch built, Apple TV Plus. 
And also, uh, I'm just going to read this straight up. Fucked up college dream inspired by his own experiences of not sleeping as a freshman at Stanford because of the anxiety of not measuring up. Relatable. He was forced to find ways around the dilemma, and it clearly worked out as he graduated with a degree in economics and got into USC film school. And that'll be coming out via the home box office. Mm. Uh, also, hey, whoa, this is a shocker. Uh, he's he's batting around a Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Ocean's Eleven at Warner Brothers, which uh, would be lovely. So like congrats a, on the new agent, Mike. Like a remake or or like the... Um... Sorry, like a remake or the like a version, like a take on an Ocean's type film. I would have to assume that this this movie would be called Ocean's Eleven, and it would be a new thing. Um, directed by Jay Roach, the director of Meet the Parents. So that feels uh, like a recipe for again all respect to him. I just feel like the Soderbergh versions are so obsessively loved i would never and they're they're semi-recent right early 2000s ish i just feel like i wouldn't want to go up against against that like right now i just feel like that's a recipe for like getting the worst reviews of your career (laughs) all right next up on austin news i'm just gonna read this out loud this is from page six of the new york post i'm scared Uh, murdoch's new york post so boo but also thank you for the tip this is an amazing story (laughs) about a future episode of Austin Danger Podcast. Canadian disc jockey Jay Brody claims he once found himself out of a job after breaking Mike Myers' alleged cardinal rule. No eye contact. (gasps) Brody revealed to Carly and Jay listeners on Sonic Radio that Mike Myers had me fired off the set of The Love Guru because I made contact with him, eye contact with him, and I was there as his bodyguard. A rep for Mike Myers called the 15-year-old claim, their words, bogus, and told us Mike didn't have a bodyguard on the Love Guru. Oh my gosh. So, like, Mike is in some hot water right now. Like, currently? This is wild. Myers apparently appeared in costume on Brody's first day, and, quote, first hour I'm there, I don't know what he looks like yet, so I just see a man approaching, long hair, thick beard, and I think, that's Mike Myers. I look down to not look at him, but I realize you can't just let anyone into the trailer, so I look up and catch his eye for a second. Then, within an hour, I get a phone call letting me know I'm fired and I have to get off the set. Myers never said anything to him personally. How does he know for 100% sure? Not to try to defend Mike, but like, how does he know 100% sure that's what it was? Like, what if they just like got the background checked back and they're like, oh, this guy sucks? I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> to tie it all together, all but of hey, this was in that would also connect to the the you know the Mike's tendencies we learned from Cat in the Hat with the chocolate Tupperware, yeah, the chocolate boy. Which <laughs> I think those boy. projects, those projects were practically back to back. So just a yeah. dark period in his life, also probably. <laughs> Maybe yeah. That poor a lot of, poor a lot of flops back to back. All of this ties together because um, there was a video of. John Wick star and future ADP legend Keanu Reeves uh, helping out carrying <laughs> production equipment on the set of John Wick 4. So good guy. And of course, people on Twitter were being utterly, utterly brainless about it, as one <laughs> does. The final piece of Austin news this week Gwyneth Paltrow, star of Austin Powers and Goldmember, is in the news this week. <sighs> oh my uh, God. Because she's, listen, I have to be completely honest. 
Uh, I know goop is like a, a very like a, a feminist thing, but this woman's a fucking idiot, right? Like we've all thought that for years. Okay. Um, and I, I wasn't going to comment on the skiing trial, but. If oh, I thought that's on- what you were commenting on. No, yeah. I, I honestly, like, I didn't even th- put that together. I really thought that's what it was. Oh my God. No, no. She talked about Tom Cruise being a good kisser or whatever. Uh, but let's talk about this instead. What ha- I don't even know what the hell happened. The guy was skiing and hit Gwyneth Paltrow. Or he is claiming that she hit him while they were ski- like they were two individual. I don't. I've not been following this, but yes, no. From what I'm gathering were- is that he basically she's claiming that he hit her, and she's claiming that, or he's claiming that she hit her. She hit him. Oh my god! And he's claiming that she like they're basically claiming that they hit each other. I'm so sorry, audience. My brain is melting today. Um. So, and there's no witnesses, but he claims he's a witness. I don't know. He said that she came out of the for the jungle like King Kong. <gasps> like she was attacking him? Oh my God. Just crazy. I, I uh, yeah, I'm not keeping up with it, but I do see clips and the clip of her like talking to one of the lawyers is like so funny and weird. Like what is going, remember when Gwyneth Paltrow was like, the, one of the biggest actresses in the world in the late 90s and now she's doing this weird trial every time i see a clip of her it looks like she's trying not to laugh while she's literally on the stand at on trial it's so weird like it's so funny i didn't even connect i forgot that she was in gold member for like two seconds she was on a park city beginner slope and this 76 year old retired optometrist is claiming that there was a collision. Oh my God. This is just so like, it's this trial, by the way, I learned just now doing this podcast that this incident happened. I thought it happened recently. This is from 2016. Think about where you were in the winter of 2016 to now. This is a, so this happened like seven years ago. I also thought this happened like recently. Why is he suing her now, seven years later? I think there were back and forth. I think he pressed charges years ago is what happened. And now it's finally going to trial. Anyway, she said Tom Cruise was a great kisser in an interview last week. Sorry. That was the Austin Powers news <laughs> that's story. That's how it connects. Okay. I love it. That's I it. love it. So that's the Gwyneth Paltrow update. We will have more updates on Gwyneth Paltrow, the star of Austin Powers and Goldmember, perhaps next week. Uh, just keep in mind, every other news segment I've introduced since starting the show has ended within seven days. So maybe the trial will be completely dismissed and over by the time you're hearing this. Just like uh, just like Seth Green's ape NFT. And that's the end of Austin News. And speaking of things that Seth Green isn't doing right now, it's time for us to talk about <laughs> one of the most influential films of the year 1997 that was not called Austin Powers, Spice World. Starring Nelson Mandela's heroes. Nelson Mandela (laughs) probably went to the movies and said, I would like a ticket. Nelson Mandela was like, look, earlier this year, I saw the Disney movie That Darn Cat, the remake, and I couldn't get enough of Bob Spears' direction. So please, <laughs> won't you give me a ticket to Spice World? And with with the gusto of, of Nelson Mandela's love of the Spice Girls, I ask you, Mackenzie, can yes. you please bring us into the world, the Spice World? 
can't believe Nelson Mandela and I have something in common. Let's go. girl group sensation the Spice Girls are preparing for their biggest concert yet at the Royal Albert Hall in London, England. Leading up to the concert, many hijinks ensue, including, but not limited to, a dance boot camp with the famed Mr. Step, an excursion on the River Thames, and their best friend Nicola giving birth, all while they are being hunted by predatory magazine editors to try and bring their legacy down. At the same time, their manager Clifford and assistant Deborah are not only attempting to keep the record label chief happy, but fend off bad movie pitches from American movie producers. Eventually, the girls begin to question their lifestyle when Clifford's obsession with overworking them comes to a head, and they leave the future of the Spice Girls up in the air. The girls reminisce on their humble beginnings and remember why they love each other and decided to make music in the first place. The ladies reunite and help Nicola deliver their new godchild, but find that they're gonna miss the big show! They hop in the Spice Bus and race to the venue doing their best speed impression, performing Spice Up Your Life once they get there to an uproarious crowd. It's all Spice Girls here on Spice World. It's a movie that is made completely of like vignettes and non sequiturs, so it felt wholly impossible to summarize as I was writing this. Oh, yeah. This this movie is nonsense. (laughs) There's like half a minute that it's just a horror movie, basically, for them to do like Scooby Doo shit for some reason. And that's part of it. People of the world. Spice up your life. Kev, what is your history with Spice World and or the Spice Girls as a band? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> this would be around the time my neighbors were big into the, you know, the Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys and in sync of it all. And Spice mm-hmm. Girls, of course, included in that wave. I was never, you know, if it shows up on the radio, they're they're cute, catchy songs have like a nice beat to it. The Spice Girls in particular stood out because of the kind of the R&B, the rap breaks, the 70s soul influence on some of the songs. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Um, but I was never <laughs> the, was the target never audience. The target audience or a particularly big fan. Um, but I did see this movie in college. And in college, you're you're that far removed from it. And you can kind of see it as what it is, which is like a goofy, fun thing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I had fun with it. I was, ne- I get, but again, I was never champing at the bit. Like, if the Spice Girls were to reunite, which they tried to do, um, yes, in 2019, 
um, I would not be Mr. First in line crashing Ticketmaster to, to get tickets. <laughs> but, you know, I, I know enough to know that this movie is fun and fine. And uh, uh, for a certain audience, it's Citizen Kane. I get it. I'm hip. <laughs> I feel like, Mackenzie, I feel like you are on the other end of that spectrum. I am. I am. I was the target audience for the Spice Girls at the height of their power. Boy, oh boy, was I. Um, I was a huge fan of the Spice Girls when I was a kid. From basically ages like three and a half to ten, they were my entire personality. I loved them so much. This film, once I had the tape of it, was basically on constant loop. I have seen this movie I swear to God, probably a hundred times. Like I watched it so many times when I was a kid, just basically constantly. I had all of the Barbie dolls. I had all of the hit clips. Remember hit clips where it's a little weird cassette thing and it plays literally 30 seconds of a song and that's it. I had every single hit clip I could get of the Spice Girls. I had t-shirts. I had a big poster on in my playroom, which was just a closet underneath the stairs, but it felt like a cool little hiding hole. Um, I was obsessed with the Spice Girls. I was, I was also a part of that kind of like when I was a kid. I also loved Britney and the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. So like the people you kind of described, that was definitely where I was at as a as a young girl. But the Spice Girls were always my number one, and I think a huge part of that, as we'll probably get into more, Sporty Spice was my hero. I was a huge tomboy growing up. I surprise, surprise, I grew up to be a huge lesbian. Um, at the time, I did not understand why I felt more comfortable dressing in baggy jeans and boys' t-shirts and sporty spice. We see her in that scene in the cafe. That is how I dressed when I was a kid. Like that is how I dressed is, is her in that scene. And I remember um, as a kid, she was so inspirational to me because she was like proof that like I didn't have to be a girly girl. I could be someone cool and athletic and um, spunky and tomboyish like her. So Sporty Spice was especially like that moment I had as a kid that was like, someone looks like me. And I know it sounds very silly, but she was like my representation as a kid. And so Sporty was especially my number one of all time. I followed her solo career <laughs> when I was a teenager. Wait, wait, That's there was how... a Sporty Spice solo career? Oh, all of them had solo careers. And Sporty Spice, I think, had the Personally, for me, the best, obviously, I'm Mel, Mel, Mel C. I am, um, you know, privy to her. She did do a great duet with uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez that is, like, really good. So seek it out. Um, but, yeah, so my history is that I was obsessed with Spice Girls. I was obsessed with Spice World. Uh, in high school, I bought a DVD of Spice World, which is what I watched today. So I've had a DVD of it for, like, over 10 years now. Um, and yeah, I, this is a big one. I could not believe that I rolled on it. And uh, it is, again, I said in my review, it's just so profoundly embedded into my soul. And again, I want you to be able to be honest and say your thoughts, but it's just a movie that has lived with me, much like with Charlie's Angels, you know, when we talked about that and Moulin Rouge, when we talked about that, like those are all movies that have just like, those feel like being a kid to me. Those are the, these are the movies that feel like I'm little again. It's nice. Sure. I mean, Spider-Man 2 is the same with me. Yeah. Literally the, the Alfred Molina as rep down to that. Like, you know what I mean? So mm. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I, uh, I love it. I got this movie off the turnip truck and our friends. That's how you have to truck, watch it now. There is no way. Yeah. So here's the thing. Here's a story from A to Z. You want to watch <laughs> this now? It's got to be illegally. 
Um, <laughs> because you can't. You, you were can't on buy fucking it. fire. No. Uh, only with this. Only with that one rhyme. I got nothing else. <laughs> I don't even know what the next line of that rhyme is. But yeah, no, uh, we have a turnip truck. I think I can say we. There's a turnip truck that exists in the world. And off that turnip truck sometimes bounces copies of movies. And the copy of Spice World on that turnip truck is a DVR off of Freeform TV, which you may have remembered as ABC Family or Whoa. if you're an ancient person, Fox Family from the mid-90s. Or the Family wow. Channel, if you're uh, older than that, I'll say, politely. <laughs> Which uh, was wild to me. Because A, like Spice World is like its own kind of fun. But then in mm -hmm. the corner, they had the freeform bug. And it was like yeah. season finale of Baby Daddy, Tuesday at 10 <laughs> on Freeform. <laughs> so it was like the double layer of comedy of like... Somebody taped this off. Like, this is a DVR file that somebody ripped to steal this movie. I have a kind of crazy suggestion. That what if we just sort of back and forth give each other popcorn notes and discuss based through that? Because I have no idea how to even, like, discuss this film in in order because it is so random. <laughs> it's yeah, so completely know. random. Look, George Went got a credit on his own. This is the kind of movie this is, okay? That's a great place to start. Did I did I talk on air about how I saw George Went live, or was that just you and me, <laughs> like alone? Was that on air? Was that on last week's episode, or was that? <laughs> Why don't you tell it again? Because every episode is somebody's first episode. I don't remember if I said. Did I say it on Gosford Park? I surely I, I didn't. Remember. I think you must well, have told it after recording. Yeah, I must have said it sometime. So everybody, I was telling Kev this about how um, 2007, I watched the film Hairspray, which will be an epic future episode of ADP. And I became obsessed with it completely. And it was my entire personality. And I became a Broadway musical girl. And when I went to go visit my dad and my stepmother in New York, I started this whole episode stories and we're not even talking about Spice World. We'll get to Spice World. But George Went, who is in this film, who I think is actually very funny in this movie. We'll get into it. Um, in the one scene, in the, I think he's very funny in the last scene. Um, I went to go see Hairspray. We entered the lottery. We got in, baby. And I, as a 14-year-old, did not know who George Went was, but he was playing Edna. Uh, and I remember my stepmother freaked out. And uh, during the intermission, she leaned over to me and said, George Went to spit on me. Uh, very loudly from across the aisle because our seats were nowhere. We were not together because we won the like Broadway lottery. Um, so I saw George Went perform in Hairspray technically. And I think he's funny in this. I mean, I get the bit, right? The bit is him and the guy from Kids from the Hall, I think, uh, is what that guy's known for, are pitching the, you know, the film version of the Spice Girls story that ends up becoming kind of the film we're watching. Uh, I liked my favorite part with George Went was the last scene when like all three guys are really getting into the story and he's talking about how the Spice Girls might die and George Went is like, they've suffered enough. Leave them alone. I thought that was like so fucking like this movie genuinely makes me laugh. So many of the jokes make me laugh so hard. And that I think I think George Went is like genuinely funny in this. Up it goes. A five ton London bus sailing through the air at 70 miles an hour. It's incredible. It's expensive. <laughs> Not necessarily. But then, just when you think they're safe, they discover the bomb. What bomb? 
Those are the rules. Oh my God, I've had enough of the rules! No! Are you trying to kill them? No more! They've suffered enough! Please! All right, all right! Can I ask a serious question in a funny way? Please, please always. Did George Went deliver that line with the same passion that he delivered the greatest line in Hairspray? <gasps> First, we take a pit stop at the wiener stand. Um, <laughs> did he perform I... that with the same passion? I would hope so. I don't remember it. My memory is so foggy. I, at first, I thought the line you were going to say is the, um, quiet down, I'm trying to iron in here, which is a great, My I personally love when Divine says that. In that the was pretty good. Spray. Yeah. We love George Went. You want to talk some more about this cast? Because the thing is, like, the Spice Girls are the Spice Girls, and they say funny things, and Sporty's talking about sports, and Baby's talking about dolls, and uh, Ginger and the others are there. Um, hanging out Ow. i don't know the disrespect i'm not i'm not disrespect i mean look look this <laughs> no, is kidding, a riff I'm kidding, on, I'm kidding. on a hard day's night right mm-hmm, yes and a hard day's night exists basically to make the beatles into these very simple characters where mm-hmm. george is the brooding one and ringo is the funny one and john is the intellectual and paul just likes to have a good time you know like and and <laughs> this movie is very much like a hard day's night. This kind of yes. loose, episodic. I think Spice World has more of a story than Hard Day's Night. Uh, mm. Remember, I I wish I had time to have watched it before this episode. Um, but it was interesting to see essentially a soft remake of a Hard Day's Night with some bizarre sketches. You know, we said last week that Gosford Park was maybe the deepest British cast ever assembled, but is Spice World the second? I'm sorry, I don't know. it's up there. <laughs> I mean, we got to talk about it. Richard E. Grant. He was in last week's film and he's in this film. Okay. Richard E. Grant, who I love very much. I said it last week. I will say it again this week. This guy gives it all. He gives it all. I think he's genuinely good in this. I think he's really fun. He's he's telling the audience what the movie is. Here's why I get mad at stuff like the Razzies and stuff sometimes. Mm. Which is like, this movie... No, Spice World is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's trying idiot. to be. It's also being made for teenage girls, basically. Like, it's like, uh, it's yeah. It's a fun movie. Look, the whole point of this movie, the only reason it exists is to get from one song to the next and everything else is bonus. Right? So instead mm-hmm. of just making it boring or doing a concert film, which they had plenty of, they made plenty of concert films, mm-hmm. they made a hilarious Camp Hard Day's Night with. Richard E. Grant going like, oh, this is ridiculous. I can't like this, this amazing sideburns and Dame Edna. And we'll get to our legend, Dame Edna. Alan Cumming. Like, come on. George Wentz when, got his own credit. Genuinely, again, so many jokes in this film make me laugh. When we popcorn more, I will say them. Richard E. Grant, the camera being the camcorder, zoomed in on him when he looks at the camera very seriously, says... The band will strike up. The lights will come up. I will walk on stage and hang myself. (laughs) It's so (laughs) fucking funny. Like his comedic timing there is genuinely so funny. Uh, And so many of these jokes are just totally inappropriate for kids. And yet I was just eating this film up, baby. It's great. It's great. There's two best fart cinema. Two best fart cinema. I was going to say Hugh Laurie credited as Perot. 
He is credited in the cast list as Hercule Poirot. <laughs> Trainer, where are you on this? Where's Trainer? How did you not know? I heard nothing about this. Can I tell you something else? I'm just kind of looking at the cast. Again, just popcorning some of these cast members. Roger Moore. James yeah. Bond himself. I did not know who that was when he came on screen. So I wrote down, why is this guy like a James Bond villain? And then I did a Google search and was like, oh, they're just being silly. Because apparently this is it's just fucking James Bond. It's just James Bond. That seemed like a really fun like day or two of hanging mm-hmm. out with Roger Moore while he talks on the phone, you know? I saw on the IMDb trivia, he filmed it in a day. He yep. did not know who the Spice Girls were. He was like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what this is. I'm just getting paid for it. And apparently Victoria Beckham asked him for an autograph. That's amazing. Pop Spice was like, can I please have your autograph? And he was like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, but he did not really. A lot of the people in the IMDb trivia, like, Richard Grant and a lot of other kind of character actors who appear like Stephen Fry, who appear for a second, almost every time uh, the IMDb trivia is like, they appeared in it because their kids liked the Spice Girls. Like they all seemed like they were just like doing it for their kids. Yeah. That's the same logic that gets like Ernest Borgnine to do a guest spot on the Simpsons. (laughs) Weird guest. And if you see the episode, it's about like Boy Scout troops, and it makes no sense that Ernest Borgnine would be in this episode. That's like the joke. But his grandkids like the show, so we agreed. And it's the same logic. And it gave us stuff like uh, Michael Barrymore as Mr. Step, who is now, unfortunately, that, that scene is marred in controversy. Yeah, but I did a Mr. Google Step afterward and went, excuse me? <laughs> So everyone, if you want to do a Google, maybe don't, but I did go oopsie doopsie. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, I don't know. Do we I do love them. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think people can Google on their own. The Mr. Step scene though is iconic. I like Mr. Step is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Uh, I say that about half the scenes in the movie, but the Mr. Step scene is very good. Them in their little camo to the way the spice goes yes we are <laughs> that whole thing and i love victoria walking past the like like they're all doing the uh, uh you know what is it course the uh, oh, i can't think of the word obstacle boot course. camp course obstacle course and victoria is just walking next to it like not even trying to do it i i find that funny every time i see it posh if you will and again the goal is to get to the song that's it yes Anything else is gravy. Um, is you mentioned uh, Dame Edna. Yeah, Barry uh, Humphreys out Barry of Humphreys. drag. As this, like, he looks kind of like the My Pillow guy. I don't know what that is. Mike Liddell is the guy who invented the My Pillow. He also doesn't believe in American democracy, and he has oh. a funny mustache. I, you know, it's so funny. I know Barry Humphreys from Shock Treatment, which I think I maybe mentioned semi-recently. You mentioned it a The bunch. second film made by Richard O'Brien, who also appears in this film, uh, as well as, oh my gosh, there was a third uh, Rocky Horror cast member in this movie, and I couldn't remember who it was. I've lost it. Um, but, oh, Meatloaf. Oh my God, Meatloaf, who appears as their bus <laughs> driver. I was, gonna, I was like, I was waiting for it. Yeah, um, so I just was like, I found it very charming how many Rocky Horror and Rocky Horror adjacent actors were in this film, because uh, I obviously love that movie. Uh, Meatloaf is great, has a couple good one-liners referencing his own music. 
I would do anything for love, but I won't do that had like just come out. Oh, wow. And like had been had permeated into the culture. So to hear that joke was fucking awesome. I was hoping that he'd do at least one joke about mm-hmm. like a Jim Steinman song. So that was fucking great. I loved that. And I loved his whole thing. Him singing the, the Spice Girls song uh, in the, bu- yeah. on the bus. Just hilarious. Yeah. Richard O'Brien playing a ding dong freak in this movie coming out of the toilet. That used to scare me as a kid. I used to be scared men could actually come out of toilets when I was a child because Richard O'Brien <laughs> fucked me up so hard. Uh, so <laughs> he's great. He's great. The legacy of Rocky Horror. The legacy of Rocky Horror. But Barry Humphreys is also amazing. He plays a blind German TV show host in Shock Treatment. He's brilliant. Apparently, I read that there was a um, interview where he was in Drag as Dame Edna interviewing the Spice Girls. And Jerry made a joke of like, hey, there's a guy in our, in our movie that kind of looks like you. Um, so they were sort of referencing it uh, with Dame Edna. I mentioned Stephen Fry. Elton John appears as himself. Amazing Elton John cameo. We'll talk about the other famous musician cameo in the Alan Parsons project. Mm, yes, I'll save him. A I'll save very, him. very funny cameo. We'll save that. Uh, Jennifer the, Saunders, the Queen. I love Legend. Legend. We'll be we'll be put into legendary status when we get to Shrek Two, which is my personal favorite Shrek, and she is. Maybe my favorite part of that Shrek. Her holding out for a hero performance is literally the greatest thing in the world. Spoiler alert for Shrek 2. Oh, she plays uh, the fairy godmother. She's the fairy godmother, yeah. And she does the iconic holding out for a hero sequence. Uh, She's also in like Absolutely Fabulous, which I love. And uh, French and Saunders, her famous duo with Don French. Uh, I love Jennifer Saunders so much. I love that she's in this. Muppet Treasure Island fame. She returns to us after, uh, I don't think we've seen her since the Pentaveret. And I think that may be the only time we've seen her. Oh, she was in the Pentaveret. Oh my God. You're fucking right. Yeah. She played the Seister. Yeah. She was the weird, the weird lady. (laughs) The weird lady. (laughs) The weird lady. Love that. Love that. How about how about when aliens visited the Spice Girls and asked for comps and got turned down? And tried to squeeze Scary Spice's titty. That's right. Went right for it. Oh, oh, oh. get off! Oh. No, you've done it now. Jerry, go and say something to us. Say something. Good, Jerry. What do you want with us? I'm, I'm really sorry, but they've, they've all sold out. Oh my god. What is it? What? 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 Is that three or four cases? That's four. Like, I love that the Spice Girls inadvertently can understand alien language because they communicate fine with these creatures. <laughs> like, they it's like they understand the language that the aliens speak. They're just that talented. I love that. And also, it's something where, like, you could have forgotten that very easily because so <laughs> yes. much different stuff happens. It's like, again, I mentioned the haunted house and, you know, Mr. Step. How about the subplot with their pregnant friend and then wannabe 
induces her birth. I, I love it. I love it so much. I um, I find it very funny that they like, because, you know, like this origin story isn't real. There was a, it was almost kind of like, birthed into the into the zeitgeist that people just assumed this was their real backstory it wasn't they auditioned for a girl group and they all got in um but i do think it's funny them sort of building this fake lore with the spice girls like with the with the backstory and the pregnant friend um you know is it needed maybe not but i am genuinely charmed by the scenes where like the friend is revealed like nicola is revealing that like her baby daddy left her and the spice girls are like we love you so much and we're gonna stand by you and we're gonna be the godmother of this baby and they stand by her because they believe that friendship is more important than you know performing and like i think it's like i think she's helpful to establish those themes of like friendship and female solidarity and feminism and i get why she's there i think i think it's charming i think but it's super random they like why would you take a like nine and a half month pregnant woman to a like a gay club (laughs) to dance I didn't write it. <laughs> it sounds like I did, honestly. <laughs> uh, shout out to that actress, uh, Naoko Mori, who also appears oh, in yeah. some of the greatest films of all time. Uh, Topsy Turvy as the tea seller at a pivotal Whoa. scene in that film. Uh, Topsy Turvy, if you haven't heard, is a movie about uh, a bunch of English people making fools of themselves as they appropriate Japanese culture. It is, in my opinion, one of the greatest films ever made. It's fucking awesome. It's almost three wow. hours long and people hate it. Uh, she's also in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, a movie that I think <gasps> is less good than Topsy Turvy. Who is uh, she in that? What? She is Yumiko. I do not know that character at all. What the fuck? Is there a character? I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, she's like second from the bottom on the cast. Yeah, list, I, d- so I, I don't, don't even know if I can find an image of her. She's also in um, Doctor Who, apparently. Doctor Who and Torchwood, I'm saying. Ah! she's on doctor who very good <laughs> she's on oh but she's mostly on torchwood i don't i don't know any of that stuff i dropped Torchwood's out, a spinoff uh, i think i also am not a, a doctor who person i'm so sorry for our whovians speaking of doctor who can we talk about this tardis bus that the girls are in yes the, the, i the, love the, the tardis <laughs> bus that's so good it's like a whole house a whole apartment uh in the bus it's very good it's almost a trope in kids media of like the guy's gotta have the awesome house it's like a peewee thing Mm -hmm. also right because like even in big adventure peewee had this like amazing house and in the playhouse of course needless to say and then you know the ronald mcdonald vhs tapes from klasky chupo i don't know why those two things are the touchstones for the spice girls bus but I mean, hey, I wanted a, a bus like that. I wanted to live there. The sun, I'm just realizing we're we're getting close to an hour. We should really, you want to just do like intentional popcorn notes? Yeah, let's do it. Sun's getting low. I mean, look, the, the fact of the matter is if we didn't talk about something you wanted to talk about in Spice World, we're withholding one major thing for later and not yes. Elvis Costello. We'll talk about him too. But if we didn't talk about anything you wanted to hear about, please write to us at austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Please, because that's the only way we'll know what you want to hear. Um, <laughs> my first big popcorn note, very sexual movie. More sexual than I expected. Yeah. But the Spice Girls are also more adult and more sexual than people expect. Um, they would sub out for dirty lyrics all the time live. So so the idea of like joking about it, what's in a, a sailor's shorts, for example, or mm-hmm. even having those sailors there at all is very much kind of in line. 
But I was asses a little out by that. Yeah, asses out. The, I was a little the booties. <laughs> what are the other popcorn notes? Oh, the TARDIS bus, but all like there are two toilets and they're both broken. <laughs> yeah. Two toilets on the bus. Okay. I loved, okay, my favorite joke in the whole movie was when Ginger during Spice Force 5, I think it's Ginger, gets in the phone booth and comes out and she's Bob Hoskins. Yes. yes. British legend, legendary actor, Mario Mario himself, Bob Hoskins. I was going to mention him as well in my popcorn notes because Bob Hoskins is an actor who, if this man shows up, if I see this man enter my screen, I know I'm going to have a good time. Uh, that's really all I got. I mean, I have a bunch of random stuff. Uh, the Pope. Okay. The parody of the Beatles saying they're bigger than Jesus. When she asks, is the Pope Catholic and the Vatican gets involved. That is hilarious. Alan's big puffy jacket is hilarious. Teletubbies reference. What if the Spice Girls were pregnant skit? I have written here. <laughs> my last note. Okay. My last popcorn note and I will seed the floor to you. Oh, it's so fine. Go I'm going to read this want. verbatim. I'm Alan Cumming has Lydia Tarr's charisma in this film. The confidence <laughs> and the bravado for no reason. Oh my God. So good. Shout out to Jonathan Ross, who cameos as himself, basically. And uh, those are my yes. popcorn notes. Oh, jinkies. Uh, yeah, I'll tr- again, I'll try to say things I haven't said. Um, I b- One of my favorite things things that I quote a lot to this day are the interstitials in the bus. Uh, a lot of my favorite quotes are, uh, you don't, see, you don't believe in it because you wouldn't because you're an Aquarian. Aquarians don't believe in anything. Uh, I'm an Aquarian, so I find that funny. Uh, I love, oh, it must be so hard for you to decide what to wear, Victoria. The little Gucci dress, the little Gucci dress, or the little Gucci dress. Very funny. A- Apologies for my terrible accent. Um, the the quote that I say the most out of any quote in this whole movie is the one I think is the funniest line delivery is when Scary Spies, they're on the bus. Actually, a really thoughtful, interesting scene where they're sort of talking about like, will people always see them as one thing forever? Will Sporty, even though she has other interests, always be Sporty? Will Baby always be seen as a baby? Like they, I think that though it doesn't go there fully, there actually is some interesting themes about the way we perceive pop stars and the way we perceive women in this movie which is silly to say love that scene my favorite part is when they're talking about the fish and scary spice goes this ugly one that looks like my ex-boyfriend steven (laughs) i think that is my favorite quote ever i say that like all the time i also love her kind of northern accent um love mel b really random quotes have just leapt out to me they have fires in their bellies and great big shoes on their feet Uh, i thought that was funny baby when she's singing in the first i've never noticed this before when she's singing in the first rehearsal she has a microphone a fake microphone that splits at the top and a lollipop is inside of it it's like i was like oh my god uh also i love scary spices astronaut fit she's wearing like a full astronaut outfit like in two scenes and it's so good i'm like that is like the coolest outfit ever what the hell um basically every time a song happened i was singing my heart out i love these songs so much i listen to them to this day i love the chess sequence of says who says mr chess i'm gonna slap you in a minute a lot of great quotes that i just love love the photo shoot scene 
love a good just like let's try on a bunch of different outfits and look goofy we get charlie's angels we get elvis and bowie we get you know wonder woman tina turner twiggy a bond girl they all dress up as each other i think it's cute i love it saturday night get down get deeper and down saturday night Um, my favorite part of that is seen as um is scary as jerry as ginger going blah 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 girl power feminism you know what i mean <laughs> i think that's genuinely very funny one of the guy, the boom guy the guy who holds the boom for alan cumming is in a knight's tale and i mostly just wanted to call him out as uh an actor his name is stephen o'donnell and he is the um like money lender who steals the money from chaucer oh in, wow. yeah and he's also he's in something else we covered i think or he's in something we have covered or will cover. Hold on. Oh, he's in, we haven't covered it, but he is in Shakespeare in Love as well. Very famously, uh, very famous Oscar winner that we might cover one day because of Goop. Because be... of the... Wait, Goop, is she in it too? Oh, my Oh, yeah, she's the main God. woman. She won an Academy Award for that, didn't she? I was already I crazy? ready to give this movie a drubbing. <laughs> I mean, am I crazy? I feel like she won, she won Best Actress, I think, right? Uh yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow won Best Actress. That's also when Judy Dench won Best Supporting Actress for being on screen for fully four minutes in that movie. This is how you know one day. all that shit's a crock. One day, Just and we'll see. It's a we'll narrative. see. Yeah, we'll see that actor again. I guess. Uh, Mr. Step is amazing. The horror <laughs> film Richard O'Brien crawling out of a toilet scared the shit out of me. Spice Force Five. I would watch the fuck out of that show. Uh. I like them partying with the kids. Richard O'Brien's Richard O'Brien, uh, Richard E. Grant's suits in the latter half of the film are so good. These like suits that are made of a single fabric and every aspect is the same fabric. And they're all like mono colored. Uh, crazy. I love it. Um, I also think the breakup section is very weird, especially because Jerry would then leave the band like a year later and, signal the end of the spice girls they try to go on without her and fail to do so and the spice girls are dead by the year 2000 by y2k that's what really happened in y2k is the spice girls died. i don't know could the spice girls have stuck together and survived through uh the very cynical 2000s probably not honestly i don't know i've we were talking about this in a discord uh earlier tonight because I have a lot of very supportive and kind friends who listen <laughs> to this show. So we talk about Spice World. And I don't know, could could the, could the Spice Girls as an idea have lived through, like, I didn't mean it like this, and I'm not memeing about it, but mm-hmm. the aftermath of September 11th and the cynicism around no, the Iraq yeah. War and that environment into the Great Recession? I don't know. They they did come back twice, but that's different. That's nostalgia. That's Nostalgia. Yeah. For people who watch Fleabag, the owner of the diner is the dad in Fleabag. Thought that was fun. Love the gay club. I love all the drag, the club kids. It feels like an acknowledgement of the Spice Girls queer following that I think is literally the reason why they're still popular in some sense today is the girls and the gays love Spice Girls. And I am both of those. I am the Venn diagram in the center and I fucking love the Spice Girls. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling a bunch. Just I love so much of this movie. Hit, these are just a smattering of the things I love. Um, I love them trying to, to not deliver the baby on the bus. I love nobody make her laugh because it'll shoot out like a cannonball. 
I thought that was really funny. Uh, and, was and Jerry yelling into her friend's vagina, stay up there. We're not ready for you yet. Um, love that. I my, One of my other favorite quotes is when they go see the comatose child and they're introducing themselves and Victoria yells at him like he's deaf and goes, I'm Victoria, Malcolm. Uh, and then just the, the, sim- the idea of maybe Ginger Spice taking her boobs out makes the child come out of a coma. That's personally very funny to me uh and then yeah i love the last thing is i love this like weird shift the last 10 minutes of the movie takes where yeah they're in like in they're in like 15 different action movies they're parodying speed they do that very silly like the fake bus going over the the bridge uh it's just very silly it's very funny the final performance is seared into my brain so much uh, and I love the meta post credit. That's my last popcorn note is that I love the kind of meta post credit of them uh, looking at the camera and being like, why do people hang out after the movies? And they're kind of talking to us. Oh, uh, the it's Scream silly. 6. The Scream yeah. 6 joke. It's just sort of, it's silly. It's silly. It's fun. That's why I love the movie. Kev, what are your final thoughts? Mine are obvious, but what are your final thoughts? And your rating. I'm actually eager to see your rating for this. Please don't I, let me influence you. I feel like to really fully get it at a core level, it's got to be your Citizen Kane. You have to have been obsessed mm-hmm. with the Spice Girls. You have to be coming into this ready to love it. But on the other hand, also, A, all of the songs are really good. They're well done, well shot, well executed numbers. The songs are fun. You know, if you're into that kind of thing, they have like a nice mix of sounds that's appreciated in a landscape that was just the same three songs over and over again. Um, I thought that was great. I thought for what it was, which is a hard days night style infomercial about the spice girls, uh, (laughs) pretty fun with a great cast. And while I'd usually give something like this, like three stars performances from Austin, Andrew podcast, legend, Alan Cumming and uh, Richard E. Grant and Barry Humphreys and uh, the three seconds that Elvis Costello gets like Jennifer Saunders as well. All that stuff really helps raise the ship here to, to somewhere like a very friendly congressional medal of honor tier three and a half stars. Yeah, baby. And that's where I'm at. Mackenzie, I don't think uh, we need to guess (laughs) where you're at on this. No, it's one of my five-star heart movies. We've talked about this a lot on our show. This is how you and I both roll. You and I both have these movies that are just like in our hearts, and Spice World is one of mine. I do want to read just a second from uh, Dirk H's review of this, which is one of the top reviews on Letterboxd. If you want to find it, it's like like the second most popular review. Uh, This is a five-star review, and I love what Dirk H says. This is just an excerpt. The Spice Girls and all their carefully marketed commercial success act here like a troop of troubadours, spreading a universal message of fun, joy, and appreciation of the arts. It is an important film insofar that it educates us of an era of simpler times and appeals to the inner child of in all of us that are exposed to it. To deny and ignore its power of elation is to ignore life itself. This is an important film with strong songs that are all accompanied by lyrics that do not try to obfuscate their true intentions, which is simply to bring joy to the world. Um, this movie makes mm. me happy and in the simplest form this movie brings me nothing but joy delight it's five stars it's a movie i grew up with it is the movie of my childhood when i watch it i feel like a kid again i feel emotional talking about it um because it does feel like simpler times it feels like times before i knew about what adulthood and life would be like now um it's one of those movies that transports me 
And I love it so much. I'm like literally genuinely tearing up about Spice World, which is so embarrassing. So we've got to do our little show or else I'll just cry. Dry those tears because it's time for you to hear my gold <laughs> member impression. Hem, hem, hem. <laughs> I'll cry even harder when I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I love gold. Well, as you can imagine, not a lot of gold for Spice World. Somehow, some way, <laughs> the Academy did not look uh, lightly at Spice World. However, wow. the Spice Girls were nominated both for a Blockbuster Entertainment Award and a Kids' Choice Award for Favorite Movie Actress. So, great job. Oh, nice. And then there's just some Razzies here, which I don't even want to read off because, again, like I said before, the whole point of shitting on this is stupid because they know it's silly and uh, you look like an asshole when you rip on it. Yeah. That's just the truth. Uh, so that's I Love Gold. Now it is time for the Alan Parsons Project, the Alan Parsons Project, the segment where we tie everything in to the Austin Powers trilogy. Some really amazing, weird links this week. Four links total. Mm -hmm. One of them is Norman Gimbel, a songwriter who wrote a song that appeared on Howard Stern's Private Parts, our previous episode. <gasps> Whoa. He wrote a song called Wonder Woman that appears in Spice World. And in The Spy Who Shagged Me, he composed the Summer Samba, which for me is one of the greatest songs ever composed. So, whoa, very good. Um, I did that as a joke because I'm burying the lead. Mel B appears on the soundtrack for the spy who shagged me. Where? What? There's a song that she sings that appears on the soundtrack. I don't, I don't know this song. I've never heard this song. I'm looking it up. What? I don't even know what a song is at this point. This is wild. I'm trying to find it. I, you know, I didn't, I really only followed, um, you know, my beloved Mel C's, uh, solo career. Yeah. Wow. It's called word up. Yeah. She sings it. Wow. Produced by Timbaland. I'll have to look this up. Cause I don't remember when it appears in spy who shagged me, but that's wild. I think there's a one in three chance. It doesn't appear in it at all. And she <laughs> it's was just on signed the soundtrack. to the label. Yeah, she was signed to Warner Records or whatever, and there's a deal involved. Um, so that's a pretty big direct link. Here's another really big direct link. Neil Malarkey, Mike Myers' previous comedy partner from the yeah. mid-'80s. Uh, they toured the UK as Malarkey and Myers and sold out the Edinburgh Fringe, or I think just the regular Edinburgh Festival. I'm not sure which. AustinAgerPodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you can help me out on that. Uh, Malarkey, he shows up. He's Barnaby in this film. When it, I, I was looking for him and I could no not idea. find him. No idea. Like I was listening for the word Barnaby. I was trying to find him and I couldn't find him anywhere. No clue. But there you go. Uh, obviously, we all know him as the guy who gets to say Swedish made penis and larger pump in Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. And he is hilariously Dang. the doctor who gives the Austin mini-me homunculus a, uh, a physical exam. <laughs> yes. gold He's also Dang. a mustache man in the pentaveret. But uh, I'm not sure oh, what that yeah. means. I don't know what that is. So there you go. He was the guy who was like killing or he was like drugging everybody and kidnapping oh, people. He oh, was that guy. That, yeah, that makes a bit. That makes sense. Okay. Well, there yeah. you go. Neil, great job. Last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elvis Costello in one of the best jokes in the whole movie about fame doing terrible things to you. And then the superstar entrance of Elvis Costello just bowled me right over. But you know me. It's but do you want to know what I thought was funniest about that scene? Is that when he comes up and he's like, 
hey, and you know, it's the superstar, and just we all know it's Elvis Costello. She's like, oh, I don't need anything. And he turns around and she goes, oh, wait, as if to say, oh my God, you're Elvis Costello. But then she just goes, can I have a drink? <laughs> like, it's like this very funny moment where like you think she's going to acknowledge it's Elvis Costello and she just orders a drink. I thought that was a very funny joke. So good. So good. So those are the links. Again, few but mighty links this week. Some of the most direct links we've ever had. Honestly, we we go through some some <laughs> tenuous links on this show. And these are some of the most direct ones we've ever had. No best boy involved here. <laughs> no. There you are. You're over there. We have one you over there. And then a quick little fun extra thing we're going to share in this section. But first, I want to read this email from Corey with the subject line spice world fit check which yeah. it makes me so delighted i'm so Corey, excited to read this Corey is a dear friend of the show and one of the most fashionable probably the most fashionable person i have ever met that's so great so this is super exciting go for it Corey says, hello, Mackenzie and Kevin. The timing of both of you landing on this could not have been better. I had just watched this with my girlfriend a couple of weeks ago after we realized it was not streaming anywhere and she That's demanded right. I add it to our Plex server. I had been meaning to make a Letterboxd review of it for it, ranking the best fashion sense and best outfits, but slept on it because I'm a person who cares deeply about fashion and I really need to take my time with these deliberations and not make any hasty judgments. What follows are the incredibly correct opinions of someone who dresses like the zombified remains of the style geist style zeitgeist forums circum 2013 <laughs> best dressed <gasps> i already disagree with this best dress ranked from oh worst best okay never mind i agree i agree fully i thought it was best to worst and i was about to be like what's going on but it is worst to best jerry at the bottom i agree her looks are not the strongest for this film followed by victoria Nothing super flashy. Little Gucci dress. Nothing crazy there. Mel C. I think she rides the line of the middle. She has her own style. It's not popping. It's not too bad. Emma. Baby Spice. Best dressed Mel B. I gotta agree. That astronaut fit is so good. We gotta love Mel B. And Corey continues to say, Mrs. Christian Horner takes the goose egg for this category. She's trying to go. <laughs> Who is Mrs. Christian Horner? What is that? What? Christian Horner is the team principal of Red Bull F1, and he is married to Jerry Hollowell in real life. Okay. Yes. Thank you for really. giving me that context. Yes. Okay. So Mrs. Christian Horner, a.k.a. Jerry Hollowell, takes the goose egg for this category. She's trying to go for a whole throwback 60s vibe, but never really lands. Her dress at the party at the beginning was downright awful Cruella type shit. I agree. That trickled down to the nightgown later in the movie. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to put her in a keypal on the bus, but that person should be fired. I wince every time I see a sequin anything, and Jerry sure was making me wince a lot in this movie. The silver lining is her pretty good look when they were on the boat, I guess. Mel B, on the other hand, exemplifies everything that has aged well about the turn of the millennium fashion. Everything she was wearing could easily be seen on a runway by Balenciaga or, oh, Vet Vetmon. <laughs> 
I got a um, how to pronounce uh, note afterward. I absolutely loved the pants she was wearing during the Michael Barrymore dance teacher part that goes ditto for the cargo pants she was wearing during Say You'll Be There. Just so incredibly contemporary to the moment right now. The obvious highlight, however, yes, is the outfit she has with the NASA puffer jacket during the rehearsal. That outfit is so good. Combined with the aforementioned cargos and the massively lugged sneakers, she creates a lunar core masterpiece that goes incredibly hard. Lunar core is an amazing word. Holy shit. Honorable mention to Emma for having the best shoe game of anyone in this movie. Kev, those sneakers that are three inch like bottoms, really I good. owned a pair of those. I had those. Whoa. That's how fucking obsessed with the Spice Girls I was. I was like a fucking nine year old walking around in shoes like that, looking like a total fucking clown. Uh, but I love the Spice Girls. Corey ends by saying, if you want to understand contemporary fashion at this moment with its incredibly hyper-referential, almost exaggerated take on Y2K fashion, I think Spice World is a great place to look for a point of reference. Peace and love, Corey. That was a, just a, just knocked it right out of the park. Everything I needed out of that and more. Thank you, Corey. I was hoping we'd get Corey's perspective on the fashion of this film because it's one of the things that me, uh, I roll into a pile and come out clothed. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm so glad. I love Corey, it. thank you for that letter. I'm so glad you wrote in. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. And I want to share a few other things real quick. So one, if you want to get in touch with us, the most straightforward way, if you want to be a you over there, is to send us an email or a voicemail, preferably under 90 seconds, to austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. That's the number one way. But we are adding in. We are layering in another way you can let us know how you're feeling about the movies we watched because we noticed some of our friends were tagging their reviews on Letterboxd. And so we also want to say, if you'd like to tag your reviews on Letterboxd, if you're watching along with us, Austin Danger Pod, then we might share them on the show. Again, your guaranteed your guaranteed spotlight is the email, but if we have time, we will share reviews. And I want to share a quick review. Two quick reviews. Is that all right if I do two quick reviews? I know we're running out of tape. but I don't care. We had two friends tag us in their Gosford Park reviews. Scott said, three and a half stars. Suspect my rating would be much higher if I hadn't watched this while working and not able to give it the entirety of my attention. Totally Damn straight, Scott. So I've got to give it another yeah, go, but truly wild, but truly wild for a murder mystery to go an hour and 20 minutes before the person dies. I agree. And then our dear friend, Ron also watched Grosford Park also she gave it three and a half stars. Holding it. <laughs> Amazing moment in ADP history. Um, Ron said three and a half stars. Never seen an Altman before other than Popeye when I was a kid, but that does not count. I have seen most of Downton Abbey though. I really liked the look of it. Reminded me of a mid eighties masterpiece theater. The ensemble was great, especially Helen Mirren, Tom Hollander, Kristen Scott, Thomas, Clive Owen, Bob Balaban, Stephen Fry, and the iconic bolded Maggie Smith. I unfortunately figured out each of the twists out way ahead of time. And I don't know how that the mystery was really the important part. Right. But frequently very funny though. No one quite does acerbic like Julian fellows, but it also has a few moments of dramatic weight. It's been done better in the years since, but it's still a worthwhile watch. Beautiful. Thank you for reviewing and watching along with us. It's really sweet to know that you're engaged and you want to watch along. And um, again, if we have time, if you want to tag your reviews, Austin Danger Pod, we will keep an eye out for them and we will make sure we, you know, try to share some of them on the show. And they can be for whatever movies you're watching along with us. They can be some of the movies we've done forever ago, but I will still read them 
And I also want to throw the gauntlet down. This is kind of a surprise for Mackenzie. Uh, whether we have 10 emails or one email, if you watch Chairman of the Board and tag Austin Danger Podcast, <laughs> we will read the review word for word on the air. I promise. Yes. I'll do it myself. I will take this. I will bear this cross. We will, we will highlight it. your review. Wow. This episode is becoming a much a bigger biggie than I thought because I just realized I was like, let's leave. But no, we got to see what we're watching next week. We got to see. All right. Let's bring the wheel down. had quite an interesting string of movies on Austin Danger podcast over the last few weeks. Since we've come back from the Austins, we had Richard E. Grant in Gosford Park, and then Richard E. Grant has shown up in Spice World. Bob Hoskins cameoed in Spice World and shows up in next week's film in a in a pretty <gasps> major role. Bob Hoskins? Um, Bob Hoskins? It is a Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins does appear in this movie. <laughs> what the um, fuck is this movie? Last November, we we talked about a movie that told us that movies are dreams and magic is real in the oh. world. And so next week on Austin Danger Podcast, we are returning to the world of Steven Spielberg with possibly top five most anticipated episodes by us. This is a biggie. Bob Hoskins returns to the show. Maggie Smith from Gosford Park returns to the show. (gasps) Julia Roberts, I believe, is making her her return. Right? Is Julia Roberts in my best friend's wedding? Was that her? She's yeah, she's in my best friend's wedding and she's at Tinkerbell, I'm assuming, in the movie you're building up right now. Right. So Julia Roberts returns for the first time in over a year. Okay. Dustin Hoffman, of course, appears. And of course, as the boy who never grew up, who grew up and had to find that child within again, future Austin Danger podcast legend Robin Williams as Peter Pan in Steven Spielberg's Hook. I have tears in my eyes right now. I cannot believe we're doing Hook. Number 289 on the wheel. Our first Spielberg of 2023. I'm going to pass out. This is a movie, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that pretty much every other week we ask, seemingly as a joke, when are we doing Hook? When are we doing Hook? Well, oh my God. Next week on Austin Danger Podcast, we return to Neverland with Hook now streaming on HBO Max. Hopefully they're not pulling it. Hopefully not. You want to know who else is in this movie? Who Future else? ADP legend Glenn Close. Oh <laughs> in my a god! Cameo is drag Glenn, role. Is this Glenn Close's debut? This might be might be Glenn DeButt Close's uh, debut <laughs> on Austin Danger. No, the legacy of DeButt will be discussed next week at ADP. <laughs> Fuck me! This is going to be such a good episode. And the best part of it all is that you can watch along with us. Hook is now streaming on HBO Max. And also, I will have said ahead of time publicly that we're covering Hook next week because I'm fucking psyched. Mackenzie is in tears. Uh, (laughs) We want you to know about it. So if you join us and you watch Hook, tag your Letterboxd review, Austin Danger Podcast. 
and uh, we'll find you and we'll read your review on the air. Send us letters. Send us 90 seconds or less voicemails to austindigerpodcast at gmail.com. Let's get involved and let's celebrate, spoiler alert, a movie that uh, gets treated unfairly by cynical, mean adults. But. Yes. But until that day, for Mackenzie, this is Kev. Austin Danger Podcast, peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening.